Welcome back to Three Person Book Club, a podcast dedicated to reading, reviewing, and reacting to YA fantasy. I am Izzo. And I am Sarah. And we are your book club. You are, of course, our third book club member. We're so happy to have you. Last week, we started our tandem read of Tower of Dawn and Empire of Storms. So today, we're going to be talking about everything up to Chapter 30 in Empire of Storms and Chapter 29 in Tower of Dawn. Yeah, it was quite a jump. We definitely read a lot more this time, because um, in episode one, we only did the first hundred pages, so we really... Yeah, episode one was like six chapters, and this episode was like 54, <laughs> 54 chapters. But to be fair, when we read the chapters, we were like, uh, you know, 28 chapters isn't very long. I fully think we forgot that we were reading two books at the same time. Yes, we definitely did forget that we were reading two books at once. Kendall says that we are 42% of the way through Empire of Storms. Wow. And 52% of the way through Tower of Dawn. We did get to part two of Tower of Dawn. That's true. Mm -hmm. We have the part two part, so that's exciting. Let's jump into it. What do we want to start with first? My thoughts on Tower of Dawn or my thoughts on Empire of Storms? Let's start with the more interesting one. Okay. Empire of Storms. First of all, way more interesting. There is so much more stuff going on. Uh, I love this, like, pirate king lord thing, Rolf. I'm... Oh, I hate him. I mean, he's, like, not a great guy, but I absolutely loved the scene where... Aelin is pretending to be Selena, and then Lysandra comes in as Aelin. Like, finally they are having fun with the fact that she's a shapeshifter. That is incredible. I actually, so like the day I read that chapter, that morning I was going to text you like, why hasn't Lysandra ever pretended to be Aelin? Because she's a shapeshifter, so why wouldn't she ever do that? And then, like, I read that chapter, and then I was like, oh, shit, now I can't text her that, because now I know that they did it. <laughs> yeah, and it was so good. Like, I don't it know. It was good. The books, the books have just gotten, like, really heavy, and, like, I get it. Like, a lot of terrible shit is happening. It's really sad. But I miss, like, the lighthearted dumbness from the first book where she would just like she was like oh i'm climbing a wall today i don't know (laughs) like i miss that it's really interesting because i don't miss that stuff and i actually did not particularly like the scene where she's like i know where she's like throwing the emeralds back into the little like emerald jar or whatever he has a little dish of emeralds i was like what is this this is come on this is cheesy you know so i didn't i didn't love that i I do like his hand map oh that is so cool that is really cool i also feel like now we haven't read the assassin's blade like i'm sure there's a whole story with rolf and the assassin's blade that's what it seems like yeah that it's being referenced but i think also not to like jump to tower of dawn but you know irene is talking about she's got this note in her pocket the world needs more healers and this mysterious person gave her th- so either that's going to be a reveal that it was Aelin or that's part of the assassin's blade and that's another like nod to that series of novellas oh i hadn't put that together i really thought it was just going to be like we're going to discover that she was there with selena 
and she's gonna open up about it finally to Kale, and then Kale's gonna be like, "That's Selena. That's the queen, and I don't like her, but I do like her." <laughs> that was a good Kale impression. <laughs> Thank you. That's how he talks about everything. I don't like it, but I do like it, and I won't say anything else. But that's what's confusing is like I I don't know if it's bad writing because if if it's not revealed I, I don't know if it's bad writing or if it's in the Assassin's Blade and it's like a nod and people who've read it go, Oh, I know that it's Selena or whatever. Um, because if it's not in the Assassin's Blade, it is bad writing because it's so painfully obvious that it's Selena who gave her the note and gave her the little gold thing. Yeah, and saved her. The way that she portrays the Southern continent, I don't know how I feel about it. Because it feels a little like, "Mm, I don't know about this. But she matches it with these like almost utopia things where she's like, oh, here we have this party where everyone is going to just... um, that was weird. Okay, we said we were going to talk about Empire of Storms. Now we're talking about Tower of Dawn. I know. I was just looking to see. We're 335 pages into Tower of Dawn. We're on page 335. Oh, yeah, I know. And nothing has happened. Some well, stuff has happened. The Volg in the library. And in the, in the palace. Okay, so let's switch back to Empire of Storms because that's what we said we were going to talk about. And then we'll, we'll get that's back true. to Kale. Okay, so um, up to this point in Empire of Storms, um, Aelin, Rowan, Dorian, Adian, Lysandra, they've all made it to Skull Bay, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, they've talked to Rolf. Rolf doesn't want to help them. Gavriel knows that uh, Adian is his son, but Adian doesn't want to see him. Uh, Manon, Manon trying to kill her grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. She and the 13 escape. Yeah. Well, the 13 escape, and then Manon is separated from them. Yeah. And runs into a bloodhound. Is that what they called it? That thing yeah. was scary. I did not like the that. That thing was scary. No, me either. Um, and then Alid and Lorcan joined the circus. Joined the circus, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and I'm kind of pissed off at Lorcan, actually, because you have persuaded me. Because last time, I don't know if you remember or not, but in episode one, I was like, he definitely wants to hunt her and eat her and kill her. Yeah. And you were like, no, they're going to fall in love. And you got in my head, and I'm like, now I'm like waiting for them to fall in love. And he is so mean to her. And also, uh, there's like that girl who's in the circus group, and he's like, well, I wish I didn't have to pretend to be married to Marion because I'd really just like to bone down on this lady. <laughs> like, that's so rude. <laughs> you are pretending to be this woman's husband, sir. Well, on the outside, he's not acting like that he has like his arm around yeah but he her. doesn't know yet that he is in love with a lead so i am irritated that he's like pre-cheating on her <laughs> he was like i don't want to be your husband and she was like well too bad because if you're my brother these people are gross and yeah, they won't pay attention true. to that i still don't really like lorkin i'll be honest he is kind of like no annoying. he's mean and his like obsession with loving Maeve so much like like i know he's got the blood oath and doesn't really have a choice. does he want to be on her side it seems like it he's doing all this to protect her from herself i guess let's talk about aelin and her whole plan she's got to get the lock um yeah. which okay 
I'm pissed about that. Oh, yeah. We finally see Brandon. He seems like a pretty cool guy, whatever. Have you seen a lot of heist movies? Uh, like a, like a, a fair number. I feel like they don't make as many heist movies as they should. I feel like there should be more heist movies. They're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Just generally in the world, there should be more heist movies. Yeah. They're like a bunch of Ocean's Eleven movies. Ocean's Eight was pretty good, although I was disappointed because when they go through the whole plan, they do also use Eleven people. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the reason I ask you if you have seen a lot of heist movies is because this to me feels like a heist movie. It feels like, like there's a plan, but I am so, um, I don't trust Aelin. Like I don't trust her to tell anybody else any plans. So it's weird to me that she is telling people plans and she's like gathering this whole squad. And I feel like she's really playing, um, Fenris and Gabriel and Rolf and honestly, Adina and Lysandra. And so I just feel like Aelin's got some secret plan that's going to be revealed. Um, and it's going to be like, psych, this is what we were doing the whole time. Yeah. And Lysandra points it out. What What do you mean? Where? Um, there's a part. It's like right after they take back the temple and, and head out. She tells Adina. She's like, um... I don't know. There's something. I know that there's more to what Aelin's plan is because she took what Daro mm. said way too calmly. Oh, yeah. Also, Dorian is there, but I feel like Dorian is like taking a back seat to everybody. Yeah, which is kind of how Dorian has been this like every book since the first one. Yeah, Aelin got a whole book learning how to use her magic and Dorian got like a chapter and a half and... I was kind of waiting for, like, Dorian's version of Air of Fire, where he also falls in love with Rowan. (laughs) (laughs) But he says in it, he's like, I can see how she fell in love with him. Yeah, I know. Dorian and Rowan. Dorian. Wait. (laughs) Doran? Rorian. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a ship. (laughs) Dorian and Rory Gilmore. (laughs) I don't think they would get along. <laughs> well, he's kind of just, Log- just Logan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's like Logan and Jess combined. He's um, this like rich kind of playboy, happy-go-lucky, but then also is very tortured and has had a terrible life and, and reads read. books. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> honestly, team Dorian for Rory Gilmore. <laughs> you want a review? Yeah. Hit me with a review. Okay, here is a one-star review for Empire of Storms. Ooh. Um, Wait, for this book? uh Uh-huh. Uh-oh, okay. Uh, It's from Carter. Okay, Carter. And the title is in all caps. Love it. Not appropriate for young adults. (laughs) Here's here's one thing that I want to say before I read this review. Um, young adult does not mean teen. Yes. And I know that that's like a controversial opinion, but young adult does not mean teen. Like, I know that teenagers like to read young adult novels, but young adult, like the age, according to The Sims, (laughs) is at least 20 years old. (laughs) And The Sims does not lie. You're an adult, so you're over 18, so you're legally an adult, but you're also still 
young, you know, you're not like old people. It's not adult novel. Well, adult novel means something else, but like, it's not (laughs) novels for adults. Like if you talk to anyone about like, oh, being a young adult, it really is like 18 to 24 is when they kind of say like, yeah, you're like a young adult. Young adult to me does not necessarily equal teen. It can, but it doesn't necessarily. So anyway. Yeah, I agree. Here's Carter's review. Carter says, my daughter was introduced to this series by a classmate. I usually read the book reviews, and after reading the first three in the series, I thought it would remain about the same as far as content. This book is not appropriate for young adults. Even my young daughter was disgusted by the gratuitous sex and bad language in this book. The author has steeped to the level of salacious adult romance novels. I'm very disappointed. She lost her way as a serious writer. I really wish I had read all the reviews. Please place a warning about this in the description. Wow. Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read a lot of reviews for this book that say that it's like too spicy for the pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I haven't experienced that reading this book. And we are over halfway through. To be fair, the first hundred pages, we did have a Rowan erection. Yeah, that was gross. I feel like the buildup is now taking too long. Yeah, well, like I was saying, I think there are just so many characters now um, that we have to check in with. And this, that's why it's good that now they're all in the same place. It took half the book to get them all in the same place. Oh, my God, I know. Um, but now that, well, Manon and Alid and Lorcan are still in different places. But now at least we're just keeping up with uh, three different stories. And, and hopefully maybe that will link up. I think so it can Manon, be two different stories. Yeah, I think Manon is going to head over to um, the Dead Isles or Pirate Bay, wherever they are. Because they said um, when she's like, when she's riding Abraxas and she's like passing out, she says, take me to the coast. So I think she's going to end up at the Dead Skull. I think it's the Dead Isles and Skull Bay. Last time we called it Skull Island. Now you're calling it Dead Skull, which is not an island or a bay. (laughs) What does it describe? Okay, I'm looking at the map, and it says it is the Dead Islands, not Dead Isle. Well, Isle is short for island, right? Are they? I thought they were different things. Are they? I don't know enough about geography. Okay, I'm going to Google Isle versus Island. And then it's Skulls Bay... Yeah. And the whole area is called the Dead End. Okay, the main difference between Isle and Island is that Isle is the archaic form of referring to land surrounded by the sea, while Island is the standard form referring to land surrounded by the sea. Nevertheless, they are both pieces of land that are surrounded by the sea. <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this Google search that result says. Okay. I know that they hinted at um, Dorian and Manon getting together, but that's the only way to make this happen, you know? is to have her end up at the same place as them. Or they might all end up in Eelway. Yeah, because Maeve is also headed to the Stone Marshes and... To get the lock, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Because everyone is like, we don't know why Maeve is headed to Eelway. And I'm Aelin like, does. you know that the lock is there. What are you talking about? I know. Aelin knows. Uh, uh, what's his face? Adian and Lysandra should probably know. They were listening to Brannon. I'm also really kind of irritated that there's a lock. Oh, yeah. When they were like, how could you possibly? The only the reason that they had the three word keys was because they couldn't figure out how to put them back in the portal. 
that's what the that's what Elena said. But now there's a lock that can close the portal. Where was that lock a hundred years ago? I guess still in the marshes. That's not a good enough excuse. I'm mad at them. <laughs> also, did Nehemia know that the lock was in Ilway? Yeah, Nehemia probably knew all this shit. I don't know. I feel like the farther we get from book one and book two, the shadier Nehemiah gets. Yeah, because the like least strategic thing that she could have done was orchestrate her own death. Like knowing now that we know that she knew, or we suspect that she knew that the lock is in Eelway, all of like all of the answers to all of this lie in Eelway. And she was like, you know what? I'm just gonna kill myself. And yeah. uh Selena can figure it out. Okay, so let's hear from one of our third book club members. Yes. This is from Freya, who asks... Hi, Freya. If you could live out any romance from the Throne of Glass series, which one would it be, and why? Ooh. Freya would live out Selena and Dorian. I think that's a good one, actually. It was very wholesome. It was all like, we love books. Yeah, they play chess. She plays piano for him sometimes. It's very, like, domestic and sweet. Dorian and Aelin... I think would have been a good match had they both just grown up as royalty. I think so too. I think I think that if they had grown up normally without anyone interfering, they probably would have been like set up to marry each other and build the like strength of uh, Otterland and Terrison. So what about you? What is your what romance would you out of the book series would you live out? Uh, see, I don't think I would want, I don't think I would want Rowan because he was so mean <laughs> when we first met him. He was so mean. That's the same reason I wouldn't choose Lorcan and Alid, even though they're not in love yet. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a good love story, but uh, he's so mean to her right now. I'm kind of like, yeah. ah, I wouldn't want to do that one. Not for myself. I'll read about it, but. I don't know. I don't want to choose anything with Kale because he's so awful right now. But I yeah. am actually really enjoying his scenes with Irene. Okay, that's exactly the one that I was going to pick, too. <laughs> if I'm being honest with myself, the like whole relationship trope of, like, let me heal you from your trauma, like, that's me as a person. Like, I'm a helper. <laughs> I want to fix things, you know? And so this whole, like, romance of, like, oh, you have this trauma, and I'll help you work through it, and at the end, you'll be, like in a good place where you can love yourself and love me. Like, which I assume is what's going to happen with them. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I think that's the one that I would choose also. Cause I also, I like that when Kaol is in a bad mood, Irene is like, okay, get over yourself. We have things to do. And when Irene is in like a bad mood and extra sassy, he's also like, I thought we moved past this. Can we just like get back to our actual communication? You know what? That's probably why I like them best. They have the best communication out of any couple. They do. Okay, so the other one that I have just thought of while we were talking. Uh-huh. Tell me. Adian and Lysandra. Oh, interesting. I do really appreciate how, like, patient Adian is. Where he's like, look, I want her to be happy when she's ready to trust someone. She will. And I love that for her. Um, they support each other. I, mean, I think I would I think I would choose Adina and Lysandra, actually. You know who I kind of want to talk about now? I was reading that chapter where Astrin is going to be 
killed. Yeah. I was thinking, there's no way they're going to kill Astrin, right? And then I remembered Nehemia and Sorsha. Oh, my God. And I was like, they might kill Astrid. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, they can't, but they could. She was like, the one thing that I can do is make it so that I am the one who kills her. And I was like, God, that... That, that is Manon. Yeah, and that would be a good way. I mean, it would be really sad. I was crying. I was like, I can't believe this yeah. is happening. And then yeah. for the sudden switch, as all of her 13 give her that, like, signal for, like, the witch queen or whatever. Yeah. And then she's just like, no, I can't just, like, kill these people. And she fights her grandmother. That was so intense. Finds out that she's a croaken. Oh, my God. I feel like her grandmother is still lying to her about parts of it. Like, yeah, I mean, this is the woman who, first of all, made her kill her own half-sister. And second of all, like, encouraged her to wear the red croaken cloak. But she knows that, like, eventually she's going to reveal it to Manon, and eventually it's going to tear Manon apart. And so the longer she lets her wear that cloak, the more it's going to hurt when she finds out. Like, that is a long game. Yeah. That is, like, I decided that when you were a baby, I fucking hate you, and I'm going to make your life so terrible that you won't even realize how terrible it is until it's time. So, I mean, I'm really glad that Manon is gone from all of that because wow that i didn't even realize how dark it was i i really have lost trust in sarah j moss with a lot of these a lot of the like strong female characters because it does seem like she just kills them off willy-nilly or it just makes them boring and kind of useless like nezrin nezrin could have been a really really good character but now she's just like should i just uh, what's go going on, on? This adventure with Sartak um, on his, like, big bird? Bird. Yeah. Bird. It's a bird. <laughs> I mean, I figured it had to be some sort of bird because it has wings. But I don't... I mean, they, they're driving, like, flying wyverns and stuff. I don't know. You're right. It took her half of the book to be like, oh, I still love Kale, but he doesn't really love me. And we're kind of just doing this out of obligation. And... And I'm like, oh my gosh, Nezrin, do something. Yeah. Who do you think killed Tumalun? I don't think that she jumped. No, I don't think that she jumped either. I do think that she was killed. But, okay, so this may be grounded in absolutely nothing and totally wrong. But I kind of feel like someone tried to, like, take over Tumalin, like maybe give her a ring or something like that. Like the Vogue were trying to really? target her because Caution says something about how her um, her moods fluctuated a lot. And mm-hmm. so he was like, but she would have never actually jumped. That's not her. So I wonder if she was given like a ring or something or the Vogue like targeted her and made her like extra because, you know, they feed on like the sadness and the pain and everything. And mm-hmm. In fighting that, in order to, like, defeat that Volg, she jumped. That makes a lot of sense. Because if she's, like, having the headaches and realizes what's happening, you know, and she says, okay, this thing is going to take me over, and I'm not going to let that happen, so I'm just going to jump. Mm-hmm. Or it tells her to jump. Yeah. One of those. Okay. So my theory is that uh, Argon 
broke into the little like safe or whatever that the Coggin keeps the like letter that says who his heir is. Mm-hmm. My guess is that Argan broke in there, saw that the heir was Tumaloon, and killed her. <gasps> Ooh, that's very clue. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how my brain works. <laughs> but I'm very like murder mystery instead of like supernatural. Oh my god. I think I think what actually happened is both uh-huh. of ours combined. Oh, he found out that Tumalin was the heir, tried to take her over with the Vol. Mm-hmm. And then she jumped to end it. Yeah. We've cracked the case. Okay, but here's what here's what usually happens when Izzo and I try to guess what's going to happen at the end of the book. We get really attached to our <laughs> idea because we think it's so good, and then it is not even close to what happens. No, not so I'm sure that close. I'm sure we're very wrong, and we do try to keep that in mind as we get attached to our own ideas. <laughs> okay, you ready for another uh, question? Yeah, I want to hear another, another submission from our from our third book club member oh yeah okay so here's a good one this one's from beth beth wants help planning a campaign a DD campaign based on the throne of glass series Ooh. and i figured that Izzo would be very uh helpful um to beth in that endeavor okay so i do enjoy DD. however i have never actually played i've just like watched and listened <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so uh, you have unfortunately come to the wrong place. But we will still but we'll do our yeah, best. We're still going to answer your question with our limited knowledge. Um, we're D&D observers. Yeah. I actually don't know how to set up a campaign. I think it would probably be pretty interesting. I mean, because you would have to be where like Erwin is the big bad. So having them do the same thing where they go through the different lands and they have to fight, you know, They'll have to fight the witches. They'll have to fight the fae. And you can, like, bring the different Mm. party members in. And then eventually all of that will lead to the big final battle against Erwin. And in that final battle, you could probably... There's some sort of, like, teleportation spells where you can, like, bring people in. I think it would be really cool if in that final battle you have one person who's, like, anyone you have fought with, you can bring into your final battle. So I think it would be fun... And I did, um, I did start to like think about what each of these characters would be in like a D and D class, like what their, I guess, status would be or whatever. Um, so yeah. I would have like each person you're playing with be a character of the book. I think that would be so fun. And like obviously they don't yeah, have to follow the same, you know, like story path, like storyline, yeah. but. Yeah. But if you wanted to play as Aelin, you could. Yeah, and I think, can we, like, go into all of the classes for everyone, I think? Yeah, let me ask you a question before we go into the classes. Are Aelin and Selena two different characters? (gasps) Ooh, I didn't put them as two different characters on mine. That would be cool, though, right? It would. It would be interesting. I made them all, I made her just Aelin, and I made her a rogue. Okay, so... Rogues, they focus on stealth, deception. They can use, uh, like, light armor. They have lots of different weapons. So I think that is Aelin slash Selena, like, exactly. Because she's constantly lying about things. And That's true. I feel like there's a big lie, like a big reveal coming in this book, I feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. 
because she is being way too cool with everything that's happening. Yeah, I agree. Um, give me Rowan, my my main crush in this okay. book. Give me Rowan. Rowan was hard for me to like pin down on a class, but I think he would be a monk. Okay, okay. tell me. So monks specialize. Don't monks kick a lot or yes. something? They have um okay. like they have a bonus action called like flurry of blows where they just like. Oh, that sounds like Rowan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, their main thing is dexterity and wisdom, so they can, like, avoid things really easily, and they're really smart. So, monks get all of their strength by being incredibly in tune with their body, so much so that they build a magic within their body. Oh, wow. Okay, so definitely Rowan. And also, he taught her how to use her magic, so that sounds perfect. Yeah. Okay, I want to hear about Manon next, because I love Manon. I think that she is actually my favorite character. I picked Warlock. Their high point is charisma, which makes sense because she's a great leader. They're similar to clerics where they have a deity or patron for their magic. Ah, uh, the three-faced goddess. Unlike regular like sorcerers and like regular magic users, warlocks are really good at like hand-to-hand combat. Oh wow. Okay, so that does sound just like Manon. Okay, give me Dorian next. Dorian is a sorcerer. Their high point is charisma. They are just oh, okay. very likable. They just go on adventures because it seems like it would be a fun thing to do. Oh, yeah. That seems like him. Yeah. And their magic comes within themselves. They don't have to, uh, like, do any... They don't have to learn any special skills. They don't have to, like, read any books about it. Um, they don't have to, like, pledge their allegiance to a god or goddess. They just have it. It's just in their blood. And they just use it however they oh. want. Oh, what about Nehemia? I actually didn't do Nehemia. Oh, because she's dead, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, what about Kaol? Kaol, I have his fighter. <laughs> He's a fighter Oh, class. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's totally, yeah. Because there's strength and dexterity. Kaol rushes in. Um, yes, and he learns all combat styles, all abilities. They're really well-rounded. So, like, they don't, fighters don't seem to, like, specialize in anything. And, like, if someone who actually plays D&D is like, actually, I'm a fighter, I'd we don't play D&D. Yeah, we don't play D&D. <laughs> Please don't send us me messages. We don't play D&D. No, Take we just enjoy watching. But it, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like they really specialize in a certain thing. So they get really dangerous on like in combat because they can just pull out anything. What about Irene? Cleric, right? Yes. Irene, I put down as cleric because her patron is silba um she's a user of divine magic can sense when their deity is talking to them and their magic is a gift from the gods so they're not born with it they don't learn it it's a gift oh just like she says from silba mm-hmm. ah, and why they don't charge at the tower yeah interesting okay what about lysandra lysandra i chose druid because their high okay. point is wisdom. Their primary ability is wisdom. And they are the embodiment of nature's resilience, cunning, and fury. They aren't masters of nature. They're extensions of nature's will. And most druids also have the ability to shapeshift. Oh, perfect. And let me guess, Adian's also a fighter? <gasps> no. Oh, what did you make him? Adian is a paladin. What is that? Okay, so they are like fighters, but like more intense. Okay. So his is strength and charisma, 
And the thing that makes paladins different from uh, from fighters is they swear to uphold justice and fight against darkness. And they make an oath that becomes the source of their power and turns them from a devout warrior to a blessed champion. Oh, that's like the blood oath. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Okay. Is there anybody I didn't ask about that you... Um, I also said that Elide was a druid because she also interesting. She hears from the forest and like whispers like as she's traveling, like gives her tips and stuff. Okay. Um, Nezrin, I said that she was a ranger. Um, What is a ranger? They're hunters focused on protecting their combat abilities, emphasize speed, stealth, and the hunt. Cool. Okay. Well, um... If you guys make a D&D campaign with any of these uh, characters as those classes, let us know. You want a review? Do you want an Amazon review? Yeah, yeah. Give me an Amazon review. All right. I've got a two-star review. This is from Lamark 8 and it's called, When Can We Just Start Calling This Straight Up Plagiarism? <gasps> Ooh. I know. Okay. Those Spicy. are fighting words. Okay. What's going on? It starts with 2.5 stars. Okay. But he gave it two stars. Oh, he didn't like that you can't have half stars on Amazon. I guess so, yeah. Two and a half stars. As I wrote in a previous review with regard to Throne of Glass, this author borrows heavily from Anne Bishop's defining work, the Black Jewels trilogy. Wow. I've I've never read the Black Jewels trilogy. Have you? No, I haven't. I don't think I've heard of it. Me either. In my previous review, I expressed the hope that she would incorporate her admiration for Bishop in subtler ways, as she clearly has the writing chops to offer her own unique input into the dark fantasy genre. This book is like a triple down. I understand that every writer has influences. What I don't understand is how Moss believes that blatant copying of dialogue, dynamics, scenarios, turns of phrases, etc. can be perhaps read as a compliment to Bishop. Moss should be cutting Bishop a royalty check. It was so obvious that I was frequently pulled out of the book to marvel at her absolute audacity. Ooh. The lack of integrity made this reading experience really cheap for me. Did I enjoy the book? Sure, because I enjoyed Anne Bishop's series. <laughs> in fact, I've just re-downloaded the Black Jewels trilogy onto my Kindle because I'm now in the mood for the actual Black Jewels trilogy. I will not be purchasing the remainder of Throne of Glass. This completely grossed me out. Edited to add... I thought the sex scenes were neither prevalent nor all that explicit. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay, but I want to talk about this, the Black Jewels trilogy. Do you know anything about it? No, I've never heard of it. Okay, so I need to hear from from people who have actually read this series. Yeah. Do you agree with this reviewer? Is it actually kind of plagiarism? Because we, we don't know. We can't tell from just the Wikipedia article. So you got to tell us. Now I'm I'm really curious. Didn't we say we were going to fan cast some more of these these characters? What about Manon? Ooh, I forgot we were going to fan cast. Um. Okay, so for Manon, I kind of picture, and I don't know if you know who this is. She was in Teen Wolf when that was on forever ago. Um, but her name is Arden Cho. She's like a good fighter in the show and Oh yeah. Um she's a good fighter in the show and she's got like a little magic in the show and I mean in Teen Wolf she's a lot more like happy and bubbly um but I think she could 
easily play kind of like more of a dark side. What about Kaol? I'm going to be honest. I think I picture Chris Pine. <laughs> you know, I picture um, uh, Josh Hutcherson. Josh Hutcherson. Wait. Hutchinson. That's Hutcherson. a name I haven't heard in like. Since Hunger Games came out because he was PETA. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was PETA. That's right. A little PETA bread. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like Kaol is more of a Gale than a PETA. I think it's just I imagine he has a strong jaw. Actually, Kale's kind of growing on me in this. He book. is. You know, I think that's honestly, I think that's why uh, Sarah J. Moss made two books because I think she realized that she loved Kale in the first book and the second book, and then he slowly got worse and worse and really unlikable, like to the point where it was like unredeemable. Like, how do you like him again? Mm. He's just yeah. He's not doing anything worthwhile. He's not helping anyone, like, not out of any goodness, really. So we're like, it's hard to enjoy reading him. So she was like, I think she's got a big plan for him in, what's the last one? Kingdom of Ash? Yeah. I think she's going to have a really big plan for him in Kingdom of Ash that she's been planning since, like, book two. And so as she saw his decline, she was like, oh, we got to fix this. Got to save yeah. him. Yeah. You know who I realized I picture uh, a lead as? Ooh, who? Olivia Rodrigo. That's how I picture her. Although I know Olivia Rodrigo is much younger than all of the other people that were casting. <laughs> I know. We do We do cast older. I don't know why we do that. So before we go, I just want to um, quickly go through what we think is going to happen next. I think very easily we can predict there's going to be some kind of explicit sex scene with Aelin oh, and Rowan. Yeah, Aelin and Rowan are finally going to bone down. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, okay, I think that... Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Lorcan and Alid. I like cannot predict where that's going, um, so, actually. Well, are they... Are they still trying to get to Terrison? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think they're still... But remember, their deal is that he will travel with her as long as she tells him about Marath. I don't know. After the shapeshifter thing with Lysandra being Aelin, I kind of feel like they're going to make us go to the circus with Elite and Lorcan. Like, we're going to see them do a... That will suck. Yeah, we're going to... I cannot express how much... I cannot express how much I will fucking hate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have a circus scene. I don't want us all to go to the circus. I don't want us to be carnival acts. I fucking hate this circus thing. Oh, yeah. We are going to have, I think, that we are going to have a circus scene. And Lorcan is going to have to do the throwing knives thing at a lead, probably. And it's going to be like, build their trust. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. <laughs> Wait, I, I will say, I actually do have, I have a prediction for Lorcan and Aline, and it doesn't have to do with the circus. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. I think that Lorcan is going to find out that she has the word key, and I think he's going to steal it from her and run away, and I think Aline is going to be like, fuck. <laughs> oh, I really hope not. Because he also has to find out that his word key is fake. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to steal her word key run away, feel guilty, go back, realize that maybe she's going to be the reason he realizes his word key is not a word key. 
And then he's going to be like, come on, we're going to go find Aelin. Yeah, because he also knows that Aelin and Selena are the same person, but she is not. Where is the third word key? Oh, I just remembered a big thing that we did not talk about when they went yeah. down to the um, the library. Uh, Kaol and Irene, when they went down to the library and she was like, well, what about the other two kings? Because it says there are three kings. Oh, yeah. And Kaol is like, well, I think they were killed or they were sent back to their realm. And she was like, well, that's a pretty big difference because what if they're just waiting to come back in? Which we, I want to say we predicted at the end of the last book. We did. I don't think we talked about it last episode, but we, we did. But it did happen. We did predict. We it. actually asked that question. We were like, well, wait a second. If Erwin is like still a thing, then. I was wondering if at each of the towers that the king built, there's a king. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, each of the towers has. A lot of Irene's questions to Kale are questions that you and I have asked each other being like, um, okay, but what about this about the Volg? And he goes, yeah, hmm, I hadn't considered that. Your whole job is considering this. What? And oh my God, I know this is like off topic, um, but I just cannot believe how dumb Kaol is all the time, just even <gasps> accidentally. That he accidentally gave them the correct information. Yes. I know. What an absolute moron. <laughs> because I was like, you Dumbo, you complete <laughs> buffoon. He's like, he's like, you know where the place that Aelin would, would go that just wouldn't make any sense is this place where she's wanted to be killed. I'm like, sure. I don't know why he didn't just say Rifthold. Because that is that is the one place that she definitely would not be. But here's the thing. Here was my point. He's like, oh, she won't go to Skull Bay because she and Rolf have big beef. Ah, uh, excuse you. She was the king's champion. Where do you think she was in the most trouble, Kaol? Maybe the guy who's tried to kill her since she was 10. Oh, sorry, eight. And you're like, oh, uh, yeah, she probably won't go there. Of course she's going to go there. She doesn't do anything logical, Kale. What is wrong with you? It was such a, it was such a non-strategic move. Like, I would have made up something. Been like, uh, last night, she'd probably be somewhere near Terrison. Like, I don't know, the mountains or... Uh, maybe she would, oh my god, it's not like he has a whole land near Terrison that she could hide out in. Oh my god, I was so mad at him. <laughs> um, okay, so for next episode, the chapters that we are reading, we're gonna stop at Tower of Dawn chapter 44. So we're reading 43, but not 44. And then in Empire of Storms, we are reading up to chapter 60. So I am actually pretty excited. It seems like it's going to be just a big chunk of Empire of Storms. If you have already read those chapters or if you are reading those chapters along with us, send us an email at 3pbcpodcast at gmail.com with any thoughts or like discussion questions that you have or anything that you want us to talk about on the show. 
Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, um, I think that is it. I'm really excited to read these next chapters, though. Yeah, and uh, I feel like if by at that point, if we don't know, if we haven't seen this big um, offensive sex scene that everyone in the reviews is talking about, I feel like we're never going to. I know. This has to be, I mean, in that... In that like ten chapter chunk, it must be just all sex scene. All ten chapters are just that sex scene. <laughs> just ten chapters of really descriptive erotica that totally doesn't uh, doesn't fit with the rest of the story. No wonder these are only getting two stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the only thing I can think for people being like so upset about it. But once again, haven't gotten to it yet, so I guess we'll find out soon. Yay! Okay, great. <laughs> Um, so yeah, please reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on the chapters, on the readings. Um, if you have any comments or anything at all, really, we'd love to hear from our third book club member. We are on Twitter at 3PBC underscore podcast. If you want to send something into the show on Twitter, um, that's a good way to send it. Um, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. So we will check in with you in about a week. Happy reading.